Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Weird World Podcast. This week's exciting episode brought to you by Dean. My name's well, Carrie. Am I paying for it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You are a sponsor. <laughs> As a matter of fact, you are. <laughs> Technically speaking, yeah, you are. I'm Emma. Are you Emma? Yes, I'm okay. Emma. I'm Dean. I'm Erin. Who's apparently paying for this. <laughs> <laughs> Today, anything else to add, Carrie, before we start? No. If yeah. you want to pay for it, you could sponsor well, that's us true. if you wanted to. <laughs> I, apparently I am. No, but I'm saying like the, the audience. audience. Oh, I, didn't, I thought you were talking to me. Are you looking at me? No, we have Patreon. Audience. We do have a Patreon account. Word World Podcast on Patreon. Cool. Funny. Okay, so what I wanted to talk to you about today was something that happened about 50 years ago. Oh. But. I was born. <laughs> yeah, you guys were little kids. <laughs> a baby. So what do you think? Let me start with a question. What would conclusively prove the existence of Bigfoot or Sasquatch once and for all? Uh, lives or, well, any sort of specimen. Yeah. He knocked on the door and came in for. With DNA that we yeah. had no. So no. he like already did a swab and he brought it to you and said, uh-huh. here you go. I'm assuming. Any type of physical evidence. So not a picture, not a, yeah. you know. So a body. Yes, yes. basically. Yeah. Body. Right. DNA. Absolutely. DNA. Genetic material. But even but a whole body, right? Because you can dissect, dissect it. You can take all the genetic material you want. Yeah. You can set out to lots of labs and get more. You know, the body would be, well, you could not yeah. you couldn't argue that if you had a body. Yeah. Just some random DNA isn't going to work because we don't have anything to compare it to. Exactly. How do we know? You got yeah, to have the body. Because we, ha- we can compare it to everything we have DNA of and say, well, it's not this. It's not that. So It's not a bear. It's not yeah. a moose. It's but not that's a- not going to tell Let's you just say that. Is, let's just say that, that well then it, it's not orangutan it's not gorilla you know that. it's Still, something we have no idea if all you have is a couple of hairs and you yes you could exclude lots of things but you need the body to prove once yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. everybody can see it take lots of pictures of it better than the uh, alien body from fox yes mm-hmm. okay people could actually touch it that'd be gross though but still I need to be able to sniff it and be like, mm, that's some Bigfoot sniffing smell. <laughs> Ironically, that's going to come back here. <laughs> so, Aaron, Aaron's little jokes always have an element of truth in them. <laughs> exactly. Sniffing smell. There's always a little bit of foreshadowing. Uh-huh. Accidental foreshadowing. Exactly. Since, it's always accidental. So, but here's the problem. No one has ever found a Bigfoot body, right? Not that I know I of. I think we would have heard of it. Yeah. I bet some just like hillbilly... Up Whoa. in the mountains has found one. Well, what if we did have a Bigfoot body at one Shit point? What if we had a frozen specimen? Wouldn't that pretty much solve it for all time? Would you? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> 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 well said. No, very well said. Would you give me? Well, according to two of the most famous cryptozoologists of all time, what does back that mean? in 1968, we did indeed have a Bigfoot's body. Frozen on ice in a trailer in Minnesota. And they know this because they saw it and they examined it for three days. Shit. And then what? And then what? Didn't tell anybody? Oh, they told lots of people. We'll get to that in a minute. So, what? And cryptozoologist, to answer your question, is is the study of hidden animals, technically, but it's, you know, classically Bigfoot and the like. That would be, you know, dad, if he could do another. profession he would be a cryptozoologist you'd be a cryptozoologist yeah dope i I love cryptozoology that's so cool so what would become known as the minnesota iceman minnesota he was about six feet tall 
Oh, this well, that's not tall. That's pretty tall, I tell you. How big could his feet be? It's a big, tall Dutch man, don't you know? So basically, as tall as you. Maybe he was an adolescent. We don't know. Okay. Maybe it wasn't. Uh, you know, here's the thing. It may not have been in, uh, what we now think of as a, as a Bigfoot. But it, regardless, it was six feet. Okay. Maybe they were called Bigfoot because their feet were inordinately large for their body. Yeah. Because that wouldn't be proportionate. That's exactly why Bigfoot is called Bigfoot. They have huge <laughs> footprints left in the snow and the mud and stuff I like know, that. I but, know, but, but we also think they're like seven or eight feet tall. Yes, we do. So that's not disproportionate. I'm, let's say this. I'm calling it Bigfoot just for shorthand. Yes, I know. Okay. Most theories Bigfoot. don't think it was literally a Sasquatch. Sure, buddy. So, and that, by the way, that's 1.8 meters, give or take, for our <laughs> friends from the rest of the world. It had brown hair, about three or four inches in length, covering its entire body. And I didn't look up the centimeters of three or four inches. Sorry about <laughs> so that. Fucking guess. Yep. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I really don't. Also, I think they do uh, people's height in centimeters. Yeah. Not meters. 160 1.8 meters. Okay. 180 centimeters. What they, the fuck ever. Well, that, I, I'm just telling you. I that's feel how a little tight here. That's how I've heard it on like shows. She was 176 okay. centimeters yeah. tall. Right. Yeah. Right. It was about 180 meters tall. Okay. Uh, centimeters. centimeters tall. <laughs> meters. <It was> Jesus <laughs> Christ. <laughs> it was very strongly built. And it did have large feet, but not like Bigfoot large feet. Okay, it had big hands, but oddly, the had like long, narrow, tapering thumbs. What? Just, just they didn't seem. They seemed a little bit out of place. I think that seems very uh, almost ape-like. Like, yeah. yeah, it does. It also had very nice nails, fingernails. Ooh. Both of the scientists said they almost looked manicured. Well, they, were, they were painted. Jail taco. <laughs> <laughs> it had a heel pad on the bottom of the hand. And this indicated to one of the cryptozoologists that it was probably a creature that, that moved quadrupedally. That oh. is on hands and, I don't know, oh. feet, I Getting guess. more and more ape-like. Yeah, it is. It is, which is, is odd. And we'll, by the way, we would be at odds with its apparent behavior, as we'll get into in a little bit. It had an upturned, almost like pig-like nose, like a little flat pig-like nose that was below a very prominent brow, kind of Neanderthalic. On a kind of a flat face, it was, and by the way, we know it was an ice man and not an ice woman. Why was he schlongen? It had a dick. <laughs> no titties. Hanging out. Schlongen. And kind of stretched partly out, beneath, partly beneath his hand. Kind of stretched out beneath a couple of, uh, like his index and middle finger, like covering the tip. <laughs> but otherwise, there's a dick right there hanging out and you can kind of see the balls. Oh my so, God. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was, it was, it was definitely a nice man. It also had an eye dislodged from its right socket, allegedly because it was shot right through the eye. Oh, goodness. No. One of his arms, too, and it was kind of, it was sort of splayed with its right, I believe it was, oh, God, it might his left arm, sort of above, behind it and above his head, because, you know, it's laying down. It's in a supine position in this, in this huge block of ice on a giant meat freezer, right? And so its arm is like above his head, its left arm is above his head, and it's very clearly a fracture in the middle of the left forearm. So it broke his arm and got an eye knocked out or shot out huh. when it died, apparently. Owie. Yeah, that would hurt. <laughs> that would have hurt. And they didn't, apparently it was, didn't have time to set the arm and put it in a cast. That's apparently. rude. Darn it. So was this, you know, a modern day or a not so modern day Encino Man? You know, a Neanderthal in a block of ice? No, no one? The reference? No? 
Brendan uh, Fraser, no one, nothing, no one. No, never saw that movie. Wasn't he? Wasn't he frozen in ice though? I think so. so. And thawed out in the valley in 1980 or something like that. Okay, yeah. Or was it like a primitive hairy human being? Ooh. Was it a Bigfoot? Maybe not as tall as we think it was. Well, did they date it? No. Regardless, though, didn't even get to ask it out. No. And he was never able to do Tarzan or the mummy. Regardless, though, he was right there in this block of ice. He was alive not that long ago. So why are we still questioning the existence of Bigfoot? Well, wait, that's my question. How do we know how not long ago he was alive? Because he was shot in the eye. And because we have a story that corresponds that indicates it was alive just a little bit before this occurred. I'm skeptical. And also... In real life, things don't aren't in blocks of ice. Remember, it was artificially in a block of ice. It was in a fridge. It wasn't like found, found in the frozen tundra like a mammoth with some fur attached still. It wasn't like that at all. Okay. And it was not really, it was hardly decomposed whatsoever. It, should it I was, ask questions or should I just wait for you to a- answer them? How do you freeze in your body story? in a block of ice? Well, you know, we'll get to that too. <laughs> Think of the logistics. It's not that hard. Just pour Wet water body. in a freezer. In fact, which is exactly what. Yeah, what, what you'd need a very happened. large freezer, but other than that, it was a big. It was a freezer. It was yeah. a large free, freezer. Yeah. So yeah, let's go back and, and <laughs> tell the story of the. What did you say? So, a man named Frank Hansen <gasps> is the hero of our story. Ooh. Probably a distant relative of mine. Yes, this may be. Probably. Any relatives from Minnesota? No. Okay, then. Oh, no, don't you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> he was a retired Air Force officer who had moved into the world of sideshow promotion when this oh. occurred. Oh, hey. you do. That's, that's a natural progression. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Point had, A to point B. <laughs> <laughs> almost, the, almost every Air Force person <laughs> does that eventually. So he lived in Altura, Minnesota. Minnesota, by the way, for our non-American friends, is kind of the far north central of the United States. Up there, kind of Great Lakes area. You know what I'm saying. By Canada? Yes. It actually borders Canada. Mm-hmm. And they talk Canada. funny. Oh, Carrie, you just oh. threw up all over Minnesota. No, listeners. they freely admit it. Oh. Ice is about 12 inches thick. <laughs> ice fishing. I've never been ice fishing, and I plan on never doing that. Mm-hmm. It, Me either. In 1967, Hansen started traveling throughout the carnival and, the, and like the state fair circuit displaying what he called a, quote, man left over from the Ice Age. And for 25 cents, you can go in there, pass by, and take a look at it. It was encased, again, as I mentioned, this huge block of ice in, in just a big old meat freezer. What year did he start doing this? 1967. Okay. Oh. I believe it was March when the carnival season starts. Okay, gotcha. So obviously folks wanted to know where Hansen got this amazing find, right? Yeah. So first, his first story was that he claimed that the body was picked up off the coast of Siberia like in ice, but floating, apparently. It was found by a Soviet seal hunting ship. Later, he would change that to a Japanese whaler <laughs> found it. <laughs> We're not sure why. Then a third version. What, floating in ice off the coast of Japan? No, off the coast of Siberia, but found by a Japanese whaler. Oh, okay. Oh. A third version had it discovered stored in a deep freeze facility in Hong Kong. Oh, yes. <laughs> I was looking around. Hey, like, oh, my God. They're like on Pawn, pawn Stars, whatever, where you, mm-hmm. you bid on that. You don't know what's inside that box. I don't know. I'll oh, buy storage that freezer, wars. But I don't know what's in there. Oh, Jesus. It's an ape man. <laughs> Score. 
there was also a story about a hunting trip in Whiteface Reservoir in northern Minnesota where uh, Frank Hansen shot the monster, but we'll get to that story in detail in just a minute. The Siberian angle, though, seems to be the dominant one because, or at least his favorite one, because Hansen initially marketed the creature under the name the Cyberskoy creature. I'm getting, that, that sounds Siberian to me, so I'm assuming that's what, it, yeah. that's what he meant by that. Here's my favorite Iceman origin story, because there's more. <laughs> this one's a little darker, though. According to this version, Helen Westring. She's out hunting, apparently by herself, in the wilds of Minnesota. I didn't know that was a, that you did that. I guess you can go hunting alone. I, I don't think it's advisable, though. No. no. Yeah. You need buddy system always. Absolutely. And wear that orange vest. Uh-huh. Gosh darn it. We assume, gosh darn it. <laughs> we assume... I, by, by the way, the story version I read doesn't say it's in Minnesota, but apparently it was. So she hears something big coming out, you know, crashing out from the forest there. She turns and she's confronted by this six-foot-long, you know, Bigfoot-like looking creature, right? Problem is, it's horny. What? The monster <laughs> grabs her and immediately starts oh, ripping please. her clothes off to assault her sexually. She faints. Yeah. Which fortunately for her, I guess, shuts off the Iceman's libido because he didn't rape her, according to her, after she fainted. He's like, oh, crap. Obviously, he would never make a fraternity if, yeah. uh, if that's no. his problem. Mm-hmm. So. so after a bit of time, she comes to and she spots the creature still there. I guess it's back to her. She grabs her gun, whirls around, boom, shoots it through the eyeball, kills it. Which would explain the injury that you see under the ice. Uh-huh. Somehow, Helen lugs the body, which had to have weighed yeah. a couple hundred pounds, you'd mm-hmm. think. Again, it was sort of a thick, barrel-chested creature. But she lugs the body back to civilization, and further, somehow, it becomes in the possession of Frank Hansen. But that's her story, and she's goddamn sticking to it. And she was not violated because of the lucky fainting spell. Mm-hmm. So. Here's the thing. Whatever the origin, the Iceman didn't belong to Frank Hansen. He would tell people that he was just taking care of the creature in the ice. It actually belonged to an, uh, an eccentric California millionaire. Because is there any other kind? No. No. I don't think there's At least of California millionaire. Yeah. They're going to be eccentric. They're, They're going to be. California. So. At one point, Hansen was detained by customs coming out of Canada with a body. He alleged <laughs> an actual body on ice. So it seems that he sort of made up that story about the eccentric California millionaire to sort of, you know, distance himself from owning this body, which he thought was going to get him in trouble. Where was he taking it? From, uh, he had shown it in a Canadian you know, oh, festival okay. or fair or something like that, and he's bringing it back to the United States. I'm going to say there's customs between Minnesota and whatever borders Minnesota. <laughs> Canada. <laughs> <coughs> well, I assume oh, he was well, within yeah. the United States. Of course there is. If you're if it's a highway, yeah, you stop at customs. OMG, you didn't say he was in Canada. I thought he was just. I said he's coming back from Canada. Initially. Yeah. Oh. I did. As usual, she does. <laughs> We've established you do not listen. I know I, know I don't listen. I am no. terrible. <laughs> no, I'm not terrible. It's called reciprocity. <laughs> oh shit! Ooh, what? eat a dick, I, I, bitch. That's so unfair. When you're telling these stories, girl, I am on the tip of my seat. Is that, is that the same? You listen edge to the of li- my seat? edge of my seat. But you literally listen to nothing else I tell you ever. Wow. So get wrecked. Of course, of our life. Now she's throwing out our dirty laundry here. All righty. <laughs> <laughs> throwing out our dirty laundry. 
I'm, I'm not good at these metaphors. Or right airing now. it, but that's okay. There we go. So here's the official story. Later on, uh, Hanson would, would admit that wasn't true. The millionaire thing he made up, right? He eventually, in 1970, would tell his official story to Saga magazine. And it's more prosaic, but it's, as we'll see, it's an absolutely perfectly fashioned story. So here it is. Hanson and some Air Force friends are out hunting deer in Minnesota, in that white-faced reservoir up in kind of, I guess, northern Minnesota. And this is when he was in the Air Force in 1960. He was, he was um, stationed not too far away, living on Air Force, you know, housing with his wife and I think a couple of young kids or some kids. And so he and some other Air Force friends decide to go out and hunt, right? Deer hunt. Out there in the woods there, he shoots a deer as it flees from cover and, and runs toward him. The deer goes down. But before he can get off another shot, the deer gets back up, takes off, disappears into a thicket. Oh, happy so But he knows he's injured it. He knows he's hurt it. So like a responsible hunter, he follows it to, you know, finish it off. Uh-huh. He follows it in the wounded deer into kind of a swampy area and he, for over an hour before he finally gives up. Figuring mm-hmm. at this point, I can't even get it back to base camp even I did find it. So he gives up. He starts retracing his steps to go back to where he had been. And on the way back, he claims he heard a gurgling sound coming from a little, another thicket of trees. Sasquatch was brushing his teeth. Uh, you're <laughs> close. You're close. <laughs> she always is. He mm-hmm. looks through the leaves and he sees three furry creatures devouring that deer, deer he had oh, shot. Shit. Earlier. The gurgling sound. That was them slurping up the deer blood. That's not close at all to brushing teeth. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was. It's how they brush teeth. Oh, yeah. Isn't the Romans supposed to brush teeth with urine? Which, by the way, is a terrible idea. I don't think so. That's what it, I've read that before. Oh, yikes. Yeah. So for, he first he thinks he surprised a group of bears at a kill. But then he kind of looks closer and he sees that there are three ape men, for lack of a better term. One of them spots him pretty much immediately, and it, it shrieks and then raises his arms up to alert the others, and then just immediately bolts and runs straight toward Hansen. Ooh. Runs at him. In- <laughs> That's scary. It's <laughs> very scary. So Instinct lifts his gun up, and he, boom, suits a bullet, sends it right through the creature's eyeball. Right eyeball, absolutely. He flees. Takes the fuck off. In fact, the, the other two creatures also left the other way. And so he, he flees in the other direction. He's scared shitless. He gets lost. He passes out. He <laughs> regains consciousness. <laughs> he wanders around for a while. And finally, he fires off three quick shots into the air, which was their signal to tell the others, I'm lost. Come, Come find me. me. I just, you know, shot three times into the air. So, I, so apparently, if you're hunting, don't shoot something three times quickly because they'll think you're lost and they'll come get you. Okay. Did not know that. Eventually, though, he finds his friends and he admits that he got lost and they give him some gentle ribbing and whatnot, but he says nothing about the creature that he shot and killed. Why? Uh, you know, <laughs> what? That's why. <laughs> okay, tell her again. Pussy. Oh, I, I have no idea what you said. <laughs> I got it. Oh, good. So he, over the next couple of months, he just frets. He thinks, oh, you know, what if I killed like the missing link or something like that? Or, or worse yet, what if it was a person maybe dressed up or something like that? And I was just freaking out. 
and I what if it human. was a person dressed up in an ape man suit He's not sure. eating a deer raw? That's what he thinks. Uh, keto, keto. Give him the benefit of the doubt. You're going to have to give him a lot of benefits of doubt. Uh-huh. Every story he tells. <laughs> and he thought, so anyway, it, it's it's just gnawing away at him, right? So at, in, in this time in our history, people knew about the legends of Bigfoot, right? Absolutely. Okay. Mm-hmm. Very, very much. In fact, um, yeah, no, it wasn't. As pop, let me think. The, the Patterson film was in 1969, so and that which really made it explode. But still, it was it was a known thing. Bigfoot okay. was a known thing, not in really mass popular culture, but you probably heard of it. So Hansen returned to the swamp after a snow, thinking, you know, it's out there, it's very remote, but the snow, at least I won't get lost. I'll be able to retrace my footsteps out of there. So he goes there. He just wants to be sure of himself what he shot. So he's able to, to find that swampy area, retrace the steps he had taken two months before, and he does indeed find the body. Pretty miraculous, though. Because again, remember, it was like the, he, he was following a wounded deer. He wasn't really paying a lot of attention to where he was going. So uh, Two months? Wouldn't, okay. Yeah. What's wrong? That's well, a little fishy. No, it's just like, remember, he's two months, he goes home, he shot this thing for two months, he's worried about it, so he finally goes out no, there. No, but I mean, I'm talking about decomposition, scavengers. It's cold. It's winter in Minnesota. But aren't there scavengers? Yeah, you would think that? scavengers might have got a hold of it, but apparently they did not, because it, the body did not look scavenged whatsoever, other than the broken arm and the dislodged eyeball, which yeah. aren't, aren't signs of scavenging. So, again, take not, his word for it that it wasn't okay. scavenged in those two months. I'm not taking his okay. word Okay. <laughs> well, he miraculously finds the creature... Now, here's another little leap. He fears that another hunter or other hunters might stumble onto the body if he leaves it there. (laughs) Again, remember, this is an incredibly remote area that he was actually lost in originally. So, and he figures, if what if they do find it? They're going to trace it back to me and I killed it. It's, yeah. I'm I'm done. How would they trace it back to him? Hey, Carrie, he was worried about this. Okay. He told Saga Magazine that yeah. he was worried about it. And that's why he had to not leave it there, which any other person would do. Or, or they'd call yeah. everyone and say, I found Bigfoot. So He did because I shot him. I shot him. I shot Bigfoot. I shot him dead. Why do we always make Hunter Southern? He's in Minnesota, for <laughs> yeah. God's sake. I don't know I how to shoot him dead. I, I shoot him dead. I can't do it. <laughs> Hansen, he left and returned with the equipment necessary to get the get the frozen creature out of the snow and take it home. I thought you were going to say, get the fuck out of there. <laughs> no, he got like a, it's like a chainsaw and a, a, a snow buggy and stuff like that, right? So he gets it home and he shows his wife this this body, this semi-frozen Bigfoot-like creature, this, this caveman or something like that. She's a little bit freaked out. Yeah. Her biggest worry, though, is that the kids don't see it because it might scare them. Mm-hmm. So what does she do? She says, you know what? You know we have that new meat freezer? We got a bunch of meat in it. Let's ditch that meat. We'll put this bastard in the freezer to keep it because it's too the, – the ground is frozen solid. We, we won't be able to bury it. We'll bury it back when it's in spring. But for right now, let's just put it in the freezer, okay? Frank says, let's do it. Good idea. That's she's, a ride or a, die wife. <laughs> I was going to say, she's a problem solver. She is. You know, I don't know who thought of that. I'm giving her, I'm giving her the benefit of it out there. That was probably her. I think yeah. it was. I think it was. She went to kids to see it. He doesn't seem very, like, rational and yeah. good no. under pressure. So <laughs> he, he screams and gets lost. Later on, I guess it started to decompose a little bit. So they started, uh, so they said, let's freeze it. So what they do, to answer your question, Aaron, they went and they poured water 
once every night for a few nights in a row. And I guess that gradually it, the water turned to ice until they encased it completely in ice. I think it said it took something like 20 gallons of water. Why they didn't do it in one full stop, I don't know the answer to. But Why can't they just leave it in the freezer? Why do they have to encase it? That in ice? I don't know either. They Somehow it wasn't completely freezing. So they, they encased it in ice. Now, some might argue that was so people couldn't touch it and feel that, that it was rubber. That is, is why Frank yeah. Hansen encased it in ice. But his story uh, is that they did this because they wanted to be more thoroughly frozen. I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt again. they're just He's keeping seven. it till they can bury it, shh, 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 shh. there's zero reason uh, to shh, encase it in ice. Stop poking holes <laughs> in the story. Stop it. I mean, it was starting to stink. So they wanted to ice it. That's totally rational. No. So, and and no. and though Hansen said from the beginning he wanted to bury it, for some reason he never buries it. Years pass by, still has not buried it. Still has it in the meat freezer uh, in that, ice. I wouldn't want to do it either. That'd be one of those things that's just you keep know. putting that. I, that, yeah. that would you be, know what? Let's just get another meat freezer. <laughs> gotta do the gutters. Gotta bury that missing link in the fucking <laughs> fridge out back. Got my to do list. Damn it! I'm gonna do the gutters. <laughs> so a few years later, Hansen meets a carnival showman, and he says, "You know, I've got this thing I, I want to show. What would I do?" And he says, well, just happens upon a carnival yeah, showman. <laughs> it doesn't seem that. I mean, job shit. interview. Maybe he went so, to so uh, bilingual. No, anything? No, just thinking, okay. Got any hidden talents? Uh, okay, let's say I can juggle. I've got an uh, fuck. I've got a Sasquatch in my freezer. <laughs> what the fuck? Which one of those would be right for a carnival? Ah, Sasquatch, buddy. So the he hires a lawyer. And he tells him about what he has, right? The lawyer tells him that if the body was determined to be human, he could be charged with murder. Yeah. This is critical. This this part of his story is is the linchpin yeah. of his story, right? Keep that in mind. So, but the lawyer says <laughs> if he had a model made of the actual true uh, verifiable creature, the lawyer says and he, if he kept records of that model made, right, he could then, if he's found with this creature, he could claim that the real Iceman, this quote-unquote real Iceman, was just a model. So he couldn't have murdered anybody because it's a model. So, yes, I believe you have this real creature in your freezer, but get a model made just to cover yourself. Frank mm-hmm. Hansen says, that's a good plan, lawyer. This so is money this well lawyer spent. just committed a crime by trying, by advising a client on how to... Cover, cover up, up a crime. Well, yeah. Any of Donald Trump's lawyers would do the same. Yeah. Except yeah. Don again. So, Did you hear about that they... Uh, There's probably another place to do that. Never mind. I <laughs> <laughs> say about where he uh, he hit his ball into the water when he was golfing with someone and then told the other person, oh, you hit your ball in the water. Oh, my God. Yeah. No, I've, I've heard he's a, he's a notorious golfer. And then said he Constantly. won the uh, world the championships. So, uh, so the Iceman. So anyway, anyway, the, the lawyer says you make the model, cover yourself. So it was off to Hollywood for Hanson, <laughs> and he get he, he did. He went to L.A. and he hired some special effects wizards to make a model of what his absolutely he, real and in existence ape man with or, a spare change in his pocket. What did he do for a living at this point? He was a retired Air Force guy. Saved some money. I don't know. I don't know what else he did. You retire young from the service. Maybe he worked. I don't know. This is ridiculous. He had a couple thousand <laughs> bucks burning a hole in his pocket. So absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, as the wife, 
I'd say. Uh, hold yeah. on uh, now. Money Our children thing. gotta go to college. <laughs> it's an entrepreneurial <laughs> thing. He's gonna spend money to make money. Okay, Carrie, because he's I mean, he's gonna show this thing for a quarter for a view per person. Gonna so he's gonna cash. make his money back. <laughs> gonna make some quiche. All right. Well, he's gonna show the fake thing. We'll we'll get to that. Or the real thing. <laughs> little column A, little column B. I'm not paying a quarter for the fake thing. Well, we'll see. So thousands of dollar later, dollars later, Hanson had a really good latex model with with hair in fact he hired people to put on they put on hairs individually with a needle the people he hired they, to do yeah, that jesus christ is, okay it's a well-made model yeah this model which was the model of the real thing he had in his freezer <laughs> was very well made right and it, he even had the, the broken arm and the blown out eyeball and the dick under its hand he mm-hmm. had he, it, said, he made it uncut baby do it right <laughs> presumably mm-hmm. he made it perfectly can you imagine if it's circumcised <laughs> funny <laughs> like wow that goes way further back than we thought or no no again it's not yeah. it's not that's far, far back it was killed in 1960 it's just that oh. wow that's surprising that'd be I'm far-reaching just, wow in america it's really pervasive it is especially back in 1960 mm-hmm. so hansen first showed his prize on may 3rd 1967 at what they called back in the carny world what is it shows so you literally would like, what is it? What is Come it? Come in and see. Give me a quarter. And you'd go in there and <laughs> oh it was, God. in We're this case, telling. an ape man. Now, I think he, he advertised it. I remember it as this, I can't remember the word now, that Siberian word. Yeah. Um, so he would tell people it was some kind of missing link and things like that. But this show is generally called What Is It Shows. And this is, by the way, where he came up at the time. He came up with the Siberia story, which became the Japanese fisherman, which later the other versions. Now, here's the thing. This thing he showed in 1967 initially was the model, he said. So he didn't want to take the risk of showing the real thing and getting in trouble. So he showed the model, but the model of an absolutely real existing thing he had back at his home in his freezer. Okay, um, and he—I guess this m- must have been a different freezer. <laughs> he showed them. He showed the latex model in. Right. The exhibit was a success. He did well, but some of the carnival runners along the way said, "Hey, this is pretty good, but it—it it does look kind of fakey." And if someone who really knew what they're looking at could pretty easily tell that it's fake. So unless you want his popularity to wane fast, you, you know, you need to do something. Better show the real thing. So Hansen, he went to work on the corpse to make it look more natural. So it's something about like cutting tendons or whatever. I, I don't know what that means exactly. But apparently he went to work on the corpse to make it look much more like the model he'd been showing. But this is the real thing now. So in 1968, and also, by the way, he, he felt kind of more confident that, you know, it's been shown for a year. He has this model. He set up that backup story about making the model for this absolutely real thing that he really has in his freezer. <laughs> and then he feels, you know what? I'm going to show the real thing. So in the next season, March 1968, he trots out the actual animal to start showing for quarter a pop. Still in the ice? Still in the ice. Okay. Encased mm-hmm. in ice. But... Then things got a little bit serious for him. He notices that there are doctors and other medical men and, and science looking smart people starting to come to the state fairs where he's showing the Iceman. He notices this because they show up to the yeah. fair in their lab coats. Always. And with a stethoscope around mm-hmm. there. I'm sure they did. Back. And probably one of those light okay. things on their head. Yeah. I'm assuming, okay. yeah. But no, I mean, I, they probably talked to him and said, hi, I'm Professor Peabody. <laughs> and I'm going to bring some. And, and apparently they would... Um, Go back and and the next week they are they would come back again to the to the fair and bring more of their colleagues with them. Y'all gotta like, see this shit. <laughs> some like 
the state head of the Kansas Department of Sciences like that went and, and brought colleagues to show some other, you know, so these people who are, who are, should be able to tell if it's fake or not, we're starting to look at this thing, right? But the shit finally hit the fan in December of 1968 when a young naturalist saw the creature in Chicago. He alerted two famed cryptozoologists, and this started the trek toward way more, more notoriety than Frank Hansen ever expected to get for his little man in the freezer. Okay? Terry Collin, that was the name. He was a young Milwaukee zoology student and a, and a cryptozoology enthusiast. He went to Chicago for the <laughs> Livestock Exposition Annual Fair yeah. in Chicago because, you know, that sounds fun. That's where he saw the Iceman being exhibited like, like lots. Again, he mostly showed it at fairs. He, Hansen was already telling the story of this mysterious millionaire, right, who owned it. And rumors were flying that that, million, that mysterious California millionaire was none other than famous actor Jimmy Stewart. Mm. Oh. You may have heard it enough. You may have called back. You may remember him from our Tom Slick Yeti episode quite a while ago where he helped Tom Slick smuggle a yeah. portion of a hand of a Yeti, allegedly, out of Tibet in India. <laughs> yeah. And in 1959, so it's possible just that Jimmy Stewart's association with that story is what made people think, okay, he must be the eccentric California millionaire mm, who owns right. this creature. I, no one knows. Or it's possible Frank Hansen started the rumor. We don't know. <laughs> it just so happened at this time. In late 1968, that Ivan Sanderson and Bernard Hivelmans Hivelmans were in the U.S. searching for Sasquatch in 1968. Hivelmans, he's a Belgian cryptozoologist. He was living, he was staying with Sanderson in the U.S. at, at this time. Colin knew this because I guess, again, he's a, in the know in the field, right? He got word to both these men who were the two most prominent cryptozoologists in the world by far at this time. And he tells him, okay, I have this thing in Minnesota that's being sold as the Minnesota Iceman. It looks like it's a missing link kind of thing for me. I think it's real. They were instantly inter interested. They jumped on this thing. They both almost immediately traveled to far off Altura, Minnesota, and went and accosted Frank Hansen. Now, it's off-season, so he has the, the, the ape man back at home, right? And, and he kept it in his cramped trailer there in Altura, Minnesota, and again, this is this is the off season in Minnesota. They were immediately fascinated. So he let the two cryptozoologists see the, the ape man in his freezer. They're sold apparently right away. But they start, you know, they make detailed drawings of it. For instance, why neither man thought to pick up a camera? Yeah, between I think New York and Minnesota, I don't know. Mm -hmm. But there are no, there were no pictures of what they investigated there in, in December of 1968 mm. for those. Yeah, they, that's bizarre. It's a little weird, but they did make detailed drawings, which take it for what you think. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, you'd have to say that they were doing this intentionally. Yeah. So I don't know. They studied the creature for three full days before they finally left and had enough information, they said. And here's the critical part. Sanderson and Hubermans both claimed that they found that to find, quote, putrefaction where some of the flesh had been exposed from the melted ice. So they deduced this because, um, or they, they, they were able to smell this because the, the ice covering the creature sort of cracked while they exam, apparently while they were examining it. I guess they had the door open too much, too yeah. long. I don't know. And so it was, maybe it was melting a little bit. And immediately this nasty smell starts wafting up 
out to them. Yeah. So they said, okay, yeah. this has to be a real thing because it's rotting. It's decomposing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We can smell it. No, he stuck a dead rabbit in the mud. <laughs> yeah. You know what? <laughs> in theories. So they also saw some lice on the hair. So those two things were the main evidence that they thought this is a real, actual, biological creature, not a model, not a rubber model. So they... Hevelmans, I, I know I'm mispronouncing his name. He was Belgian. It's H-E-U-V-E-L-M-A-N-S. Hevelmans. Hevelmans. He wrote an article for a Belgian science journal called Preliminary Note on a Specimen Preserved in Ice. Unknown Living Hominid. <laughs> Good title. Grabber. Great title. It is. He argued that the Minnesota Iceman was a brand new hominid. Hominids are the, the close cousins of humans on the human family tree somewhere. So like a Neanderthal. What? Nah. Oh, sorry. You were leaning towards your mic. I, you <laughs> I know. I was like going to look at you without You're looking at, me? at the, this in the way. Are you coming on to me? So I can see your whole head. Okay. All Yuck. Right. <laughs> wow. So, I mean, maybe a, maybe they thought something kind of maybe a Neanderthal or something a little more primitive than a Neanderthal because it was pretty hairy, right? Yeah. He called it homo pongoids. Fuck yeah. This means ape-like man. So, oh, okay, pretty, pretty, which indicates, by the way, that he thought it was more man than ape, ape like man, right? Hmm. Is this Hoovelman? Hoovelman's, yes. Okay. This is in his article okay. in the Belgian Science Journal. He believed it was a uh, some kind of an, again a Neanderthal offshoot or a close cousin of Neanderthal. Yep. For some reason, he Hoovelman's also spun this weird origin story, a different one than Hansen had told. He thought it was from Vietnam back in 1966. A couple years before this happened, there had been this big story, at least in the cryptozoology world, of a Vietnamese ape man being shot and killed in, in the war. And it's all kinds. Of, and and Hufflemans had had written about this and kind of supported it. And then he finds out that Frank Hansen had apparently been stationed near Da Nang, where the creature supposedly was shot, the Vietnamese ape man. And so he just he deduces, okay, well, it yeah. was Frank Hansen who shot it and killed it, and that it's kind of like two birds in one stone. If you're Hubermans, because yeah. it takes two of these stories he's big and hot on and turns him into one, even though Frank Hansen had never in any way, shape, or form claimed he got it from Vietnam. Okay, so Hansen, uh, I'm sorry, um, he surmised that the way they had got it back in the United States was by smuggling it in a body bag, which, as we know. There was a lot of that going on because U.S. forces smuggled back drugs in body bags galore. During the oh, Vietnam my God. War. You didn't know that? Shocking. Well, no, but <laughs> I did not know that was known in December 1968, though. So if humans is making this claim, that must have been known back then. I didn't know that was known. So, Well, I don't see why that means it was known about drugs and body bags. I guess you're right. He could have just surmise that as a, a likely story because the weren't they that... bringing actual bodies back in body bags yes they were okay. so and one of them was an ape man yeah that's what i'm saying clearly yeah, you're right so uh, so if this is true though obviously frank hansen would he either had to have done it himself or the people who helped him get the body back to the united states would know about it never said a goddamn yeah. thing the rest yeah. of their life and let him take full possession of it yeah mm-hmm. think, which you gotta think they'd know the value of that but anyway again we're gonna give him the benefit of the doubt for the have you been counting? It's about 16 or 17. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, quite a few so, benefits. Ivan Sanderson also did his, his best to popularize this great discovery. He was the science editor at, at a magazine called Argosy. And he, and which, by the way, was a kind of like a, like a soft core men's magazine. 
What? That mostly has stories. Like like Maxim kind of. Mm. You know? It had Corny stories. is what he's saying. Say Some titties. Corny. Not Some really. squash. A little bit like that, but mainly it was like a men's adventure, kind of a manly man kind of a magazine. With, the idea. with some tantalizing articles here and there. I'm, I, I, I think or so, pictures, yes. Or pictures, more likely. But they did have a... He was the science editor of that, so apparently <laughs> yeah. they published science stuff, too. Uh, Sanderson wrote an article and published it in the April 1969 edition of Argosy called Living Fossil. The headline for it was, Is This the Missing Link Between Man and the Apes? He Whoa. also was a popular guest on television shows, including, by the way, he was a favorite guest of Johnny Carson on The Tonight Show. That's pretty prominent. Huh, yeah. Johnny Carson had cryptozoologists on, on his show back in the 60s. Yeah. Was, that's, that's weird to me. Later, they become, you know, incompetent zookeepers or something like that. But at this time, he had uh, cryptozoologists. Jim Fowler just died. Oh, that's not who I meant, by the way. Oh. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, he's the guy. No, it's not who I meant was the incompetent zookeeper. So that guy from Cincinnati? They were going David Letterman and like let oh. the bird loose and well. things like that, <laughs> like that and the Moto Dragon and shit. Jim so, Fowler went on. Jim John Fowler the time. was a badass who, when Marlon Perkins' skinny ass was in the Jeep, Jim Fowler would go into the cave and try to catch the fucking lion or whatever it was. So yeah. he was a he was a tough guy. He just died at the age of eighty nine. Oh, that's terrible. Mm-hmm. On one of these shows, though, one of these TV shows, though, Sanderson unfortunately called it Bozo, called it, like name, tried to name the creature. Bozo. What? Uh, which is that's the, not a respectful name. It's, it's not. not nice. You know, Bozo was a famous and, in hindsight, terrifying <laughs> children's clown of yeah. the time. Yeah. So he, yeah, it wasn't a smart move. It made it. It made it. He kind of cheapened it. He was actually working against himself by doing that because he's trying to take it very, very seriously and say this is a real thing. This is a real thing. I named him Bozo. <laughs> no, take me seriously. And by the way, are we all scarred from Bozo? Yes, we are. Beanbag Buttercup, Jesus Christ, he's real. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not. Bozo didn't scare me. Uh, Bozo didn't really scare me either. But (laughs) if you look, have you seen him? Go back and look at Bozo. It's a terrifying costume. The hair is the best. All clowns are scary. This, this, he like he would be scary scary. now. Yeah, but I was a dumb kid. Yeah, (laughs) I wasn't. I was afraid of other things. Okay. Uh, Like what? Uh, my mom being a Russian spy. That's right. You thought your mom was a Russian to be spy. My mom. Totally rational. That's things. weird as fuck. That mom. is very weird. That's. I think that's rather common. Mm, have people. you ever you heard of that. someone else having that fear? No, I haven't. So, but common. Yeah, my mother, my own mother, thought her mother was a Japanese yeah, just spy. Just you too, Carrie. Okay, and your grandma, grandma thought it was the spy for the Kaiser. Japanese. And the grandma, uh, mom before that, that was a spy for Napoleon. I don't know, Carrie. It's just your family. Are you a Russian spy, Carrie? <laughs> yeah, are you? You in it with Putin? What the Ooh, fuck? Putin, Carrie? Are you, are you spreading some misinformation, some fake yeah. news? Thanks a lot, Carrie. Thanks a lot yeah, for destroying our democracy. Yeah, well. Appreciate it. Jerk. <laughs> yeah, what the heck? Wow. <laughs> Everyone who retweets fake news is an enemy of the state. Absolutely true. Absolutely true. Traitorous mm-hmm. fuck. Despite this um, little bozo mishap, though. One second. I just lost my place. Because <laughs> this thing just flips sometimes. Anyway, for no reason. God damn it. Back to anyone who spreads misinformation, you are going to get Mo. Um, <laughs> that's what it's going to be used for in the next administration. Probably. So but Just flip shit. No, Trump is going to use Gitmo for um, immigrants and oh, asylum yeah. seekers. And Democratic and women candidates who want for presidency. Abortions. No, he literally wants. And brown children. To use Guantanamo Bay. And brown sugar, even. For, even just because it's brown. Yeah. Yeah. He says, and it's tasteful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he doesn't like maple syrup for that reason. Yeah, because yeah, it comes from Canada. Fact. These are all facts, Gary. 
we're not making these up on the spur of the moment. So mm-hmm. despite this, Sanderson, he did absolutely believe in the authenticity of the Iceman. So he contacted the eminent primatologist, John Napier, who worked mm-hmm. for the Smithsonian Institute. Okay. He did this in part. He wanted to pry the creature out of the hands of Frank Hansen because he thought it should be yeah. studied by scientists. Mm-hmm. He's probably yes, not I right. Do too. So so he told Smithsonian about it. He said, you need to go look into that. He also simultaneously told a bunch of federal departments, hey, this guy is illegally, you know, going traveling between state lines with a dead body of some kind of a creature. I think he was just trying to get him in trouble to, to get right. the creature out of Frank Hansen's possession. He should have tried to do it nicely first. He, he didn't. Can I <laughs> so. please have your Sasquatch like creature? You have the model. To keep the model. Well, it's like the real one. That's yeah, what I well, say. He should have paid him a bunch of money. So None of the federal agencies apparently took any kind of notice of the episode, but the Smithsonian did. So John Napier, he was he was actually he was a, a great scientist, but he was interested in that in that realm as well. And so he asked the Smithsonian to look into the Iceman to prove his validity or not. When he did this, a strange thing happened. Frank Hansen suddenly sent the Iceman into hiding. <laughs> he claimed that the California millionaire, which he would two years later admit was a complete fake who owned the creature, had insisted that he take it off public display. It's like too much, you know, too much heat. He, so he did send the Iceman back to the California millionaire in cold storage, somewhere that he would not say where it was. Uh-huh. John Napier, that was undeterred. So he looked into it. He and the Smithsonian investigated Hansen's background, and they found exactly what we know. He was essentially a carnival huckster, right? They then traced the Iceman model to the West Coast Special Effects Company, that Hansen had commissioned in 1967 to make the creature. They fully confessed. In fact, they found the when the Iceman became kind of this minor celebrity, the Los Angeles special effects artist named Howard Ball claimed responsibility. Hey, I did that. He and his son, by the way, were that were worked for Disneyland. They made a lot of the animatronics. Is that the yeah. right word mm-hmm. at Disneyland back in back in the day? So he was he was a very good special effects professional, and he said that he and his son had made the thing from rubber back in 1967, and their goal was, quote, to make it look like an artist's conception of a Cro-Magnon's man with a broken skull with one eye popped out. Notice that. So not, hey, here's a picture of my right. real living creature, guys. Make it look like that is what make they a can see. Yeah. Make mm-hmm. a model of a Cro-Magnon man. Hey, let's have a broken skull and an eye popped out. You don't see the broken skull, and you do see the broken forearm, so maybe they you know, change it up as they're doing the little manufacturing. Naturally, Hansen had an excuse for all this. He, he said, yeah, 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 yeah. Obviously, the body Napier examined was indeed, as you thought, a latex model. But what about the body that Sanderson and Hoovelman's Just position? Okay. I like that. You can pronounce that better than I do. Hoovelman. <laughs> so, I'm part the, Belgian. Are you? No. no. <laughs> I was going to say, no, we're not. <laughs> okay, so Hansen claimed that yeah, the body that Napier examined was indeed a latex model. This is only because, though, he had to substitute the model for the real thing because, you guessed it, he was afraid otherwise the authorities might arrest him for murder. Yeah. This is why that, that original story was so critical. That part of it was so important. You know, I mean, given the fact that the creature was so nearly human and all, he, he feared for his freedom, right? And they'll never catch him. No. <laughs> never know where he is. Some sources report that the head of the Smithsonian did ask the FBI to investigate but they, about this murdered ape-man thing, but they said, if it's an ape-man, it's not a crime, we're not interested. So they, <laughs> they didn't investigate. 
What? There was guess, no anti-Bigfoot murder law. I guess Fox and Scully were, not, were working for the FBI yet. No, they were not. No, that they were, would they were, have been an X-File. I don't think they were even born. <laughs> they might have been babies. So Sanderson Sweet. chimed in to answer your question. He did claim that, yeah, the new, air quotes, model was indeed different. So again, so Hanson's saying what I had the Smithsonian examine was, was the latex model I had made because I was afraid to give him the real thing because then I might be arrested for murder. Sanders said, he said, yeah, the thing that Napier, because Napier took pictures and stuff, right? So he said that thing that Napier examined and I think early 69 was different than the thing that Huberman and Sanders looked at in late 1968. He so cited, they corroborated that they saw an actual body. They are absolutely okay. corroborating that and they're saying it's different than what Napier investigated, okay. which they're saying was, according to Frank Hansen, a latex rubber model, admittedly. So Sanderson cited slightly different positioning of the hands and the face, and also the mouth is sometimes open and sometimes not in the different photos as discrepancies, meaning this is not the same creature that they looked at in December of 1968. And in one picture, by the way, I've seen it, you can, the mouth is open, and you can see some scary big old teeth, too, by the way. Ooh. Not like fangs, but like actually a pretty good set of teeth. I think he had some work done. <laughs> like my dog. <laughs> yes, yes. Lily, the new dog, has amazingly oh white teeth. We think she has teeth whitening. We think she might have been traumatized. Maybe her past owners fucking brushed the shit yes. out of her teeth because mm -hmm. we showed her the toothbrush and she just cowered uh, in fear and you know surrendered to us. It, given her white teeth, I think you're onto yeah. something there. Yeah. They probably brush her teeth four times her, a day. Her, her ability, she loves to be dressed, so whoever had her, held her all the time, dressed her and brushed the shit um, out of her teeth. Um, does she love to be dressed? Uh, no, nope, she likes it. She likes her little dresses. Okay, all She right. likes her little dresses and you she hops are, the shit out of her bed. You guys are clicking all the stereotypes. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dressing your chihuahua. Uh-huh. My so. chihuahua. <laughs> so to Sanderson, by the way, okay, this meant that Napier, what Napier saw was a fake, but what he and Huvelman saw was the real thing. To others... This just meant that, you know what, maybe in the course of freezing and unfreezing the thing and moving it around, yeah, maybe the position did change a little bit, right? Yeah. Remember, it was, it, we know for sure it was partially melted well, in yeah. December 1968 when Sanders and Huberman examined it. So, you know. Probably yeah. got a little mushy. Yeah. yeah. So not as absolutely surefire proof as they seem. They basically, Huberman and Sanders, Sanderson anyway, said, no, the shape, the positions are different, so it can't be the same thing. Yeah. Mm. Come on, Ivan. Napier was having none of it, though. He concluded that the latex creature on display post-disappearance was the same as before, that he examined the same creature that Sanderson and Huberman's examined because there was only one. So probably wishing he had never gotten involved, he wrote, quote, the Smithsonian Institution is satisfied that the creature is simply a carnival exhibit made of latex rubber and hair. The quote, original model, and the present so-called substitute are one and the same. Yeah. So even though he, again, he was a, I don't we can call him a cryptozoologist, John Napier, but he was open-minded about that. He thought it was absolute bullshit. And again, this kind of attention that Sanderson Huvelman's had brought on to his little creature was absolutely, it was terrifying to Hansen. He never expected it to be that big. I mean, it was on the freaking Tonight Show. Yeah. I mean, millions of people every night watch yeah. that show. He Sanderson also, and, and when he did mention it, on, when Sanderson did mention it on tonight's show, show it the attention just ratcheted up. All of a sudden, radio stations, local newspapers, everywhere he traveled, were all calling him, and everybody wanted a piece of the creature, wanted to go look at it and touch it and probe it. So he was getting a little freaked out. And then he gets the call from the Smithsonian, 
we're going to be over there in uh, Minnesota. We're going to mm-hmm. look at the creature. It was just too much for him, and that's why the Iceman needed to go into hiding. So, so but from Hanson's perspective, he thinks, oh, it's a good thing that when the investigators for the Smithsonian tracked down the special effects artist in Los Angeles that made the thing, it's like, that's fine, because that proves I could say it was a model, and therefore I'm not right. going to arrest it for killing someone. And and he always had that pesky, elusive, eccentric millionaire to fall back on to say, oh, it's in hiding because he he wanted it back and he told me to do it. And it's his, so what can I say? Yeah. So Hansen never again exhibited the supposedly real body of the Minnesota Iceman. He did continue to exhibit the model. And would say it's a model, but this is the model of the real thing, is how he sort of marketed it at that point, though. Yeah. At one point, he by the way, he claimed that he if if he was granted immunity, he would let them see the real thing and invest, and investigate the actual real body of the Iceman. But he would ne- need the FBI to give a shit right. about his story to get granted Nobody immunity. Nobody was threatening to prosecute did, him. Exactly. So. so they paid no attention to that. So yeah. he never brought forth the body. Uh, it was exhibited into the late 1970s and early, even maybe even into the early 1980s. As, as a model at state fairs, but as, again, as a model of a real thing, it, although Hanson himself seems to have pretty much gone laid low after 1970 or so. So I'm not sure if the later exhibits where he just lost it or sold it, or I mean, the model, I mean, the latest right. model, or did someone copy, make a copy of it a la P.T. Barnum and the yeah. Cardiff Giant mm. and then show it and like, what are you going to do? Right. It's a fraud. So, you know, it's a fake of a fake. Yeah, dude. Eventually, no one, even in the cryptozoology world, really took a play, took notice of it anymore. Even Ivan Sanderson and Huberman's stopped caring about it. So in 2013, the Iceman was auctioned off on eBay. Oh mm. lordy! What? The listing read, "Quote: This is the actual sideshow gaff billed as the Minnesota Iceman by Frank Hansen in the 1960s. This is a one-of-a-kind hoax that was fabricated by a mid-20th-century showman." It was bought by Austin, Texas, Steve Boosty, who owns something called the Museum of the Weird in Austin, and he's placed, placed it on public display. He won't let people take pictures of it, so I, I, we're not going to have any pictures of it. But no. if you're in Austin, you can go to the Museum of the Weird. Well, that's, he's protecting his investment. <laughs> he wants people mm-hmm. to go look at it and pay him money. Mm-hmm. So, and, and apparently this creature that he's displaying looks pretty much exactly like the thing that we've seen from the detailed drawings from Sanderson and Huberman's mm-hmm. way back in December of 1968. So it looks ah. like it, it, it sounds like it's the same thing or it's a very, very good copy of How it. How much did you pay for it? Don't know. Hmm. Sorry about that. That's okay. I should look that up. <laughs> I feel, but you know, thanks for making me feel bad about my poor research skills. You should. You should feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> so... You're rather delicate. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a delicate flower. That's a nice way to say pussy. <laughs> she's nicer than you, so she's just rather delicate. Mm-hmm. That's true. So what do you think? Frozen ape Fake man? Is. Nope. Frozen Neanderthal? Nope. nope. Hoax? Yep. yep. Yogurt? The <laughs> Frozen <laughs> uh, The Frozen ape man kind of motif has been around, by the way, for a long time. There's been frozen abominable snowmen around since the, at least the 50s, and they are to this day they're still out there. I've seen a picture of one. We, we should we'll put it on our website and Instagram, whatever. But it's like you have the, it's, this one has this bare feet, bare like face, bare hands, like like kind of yellowish skin. Otherwise, though, it's covered in fluffy, downy, spotless white fur yeah. over his entire body. It's hilarious. 
Um, and went, went with these big old Leonard Brezhnev style giant white fluffy eyebrows <laughs> on, on an otherwise bare face. It's very strange looking. All these carnival sideshow things like that are always hoaxes and fakes. Like, I mean, I remember um, I was very little kid. I don't even know. It's some kind of carnival, right? And they said, come in here and see the giant three foot rat the killer rat from vietnam that was the scourge of our soldiers back in the war things like that right and you go in there and it had what i now know were about two or three capybaras oh, oh. Yeah. the largest order in the world yeah they are about three foot long they're not rats they're they're harmless yeah. omnivorous yeah sorry, not omnivorous herbivorous ah. capybaras just minding their own business and every we go in there and go, oh my god, oh my god, oh that's lame, and walk out yeah. thinking how lame that was. But they already paid their money. The yeah. pictures were of these terrifying giant that's fang funny. rats with scaly uh, tails and stuff. Nothing like the capybara at all. I showed pictures. There's a kid at my work who kept asking to see pictures of my mouse, even though it's a hamster. Mm-hmm. And then I showed him pictures of the capybaras because I was like, you want to <laughs> see this mouse? Get ready for this one. <laughs> They're so cute, though. Mm-hmm. All they do is mind their own business and occasionally get eaten by piranhas, our jaguars, what? our Aww. crocodiles. But they're so kind. Cute. I like they're their so little sweet. noses and their little feet. Their little legs. I love pictures of capybaras hanging out with other animals. Yeah, because they Why? look so chill. Because they just cute. look like they're happy. Really? Yeah, they okay. look like they just sit there on the other animal, just like like baby goats. Experience yep. them. Yeah. Oh, cool. The thing I like about remember I told you about the Frank Hansen story. Was and in case and eyes, he he did weave a perfect cover story, didn't he? Especially, or two or three. Well, no, I mean the, the the one that he eventually said was the real thing that happened. The one he's out hunting in Minnesota, blah blah blah. Yeah. Right. And the idea that he had he feared for his safety because it was possibly human, and he killed it, so that's why he had to make the the plastic the, the rubber model. I mean, he knew yeah. that if anybody looked into it, they would find the model maker immediately yeah mm-hmm. so that's why for instance later on the in the patterson gimlin gimlin film of sasquatch you know the famous sasquatch walking across the field yes mm-hmm. takes a swing and yeah that film that Swinging. was made by there's been a couple of people who have said they made it but they kept the number very 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 slow and they they sought to keep it very much on the down low of who made that film whereas frank hansen not maybe not thinking quite ahead enough you know, was in touch with several people. Remember, mm-hmm. had multiple different people worked on parts yeah. of his creature. In hindsight, he probably should have been a little more secretive than that, but he didn't have any skills of his own mm-hmm. to make a latex yeah. rubber model. So uh, he knew a lot of people would know about it, so he's going to have to fess up for that. So he just, you know, mm-hmm. invents this story about a lawyer who says, well, we should make a model, and that'll protect right. you from the law, which is utter nonsense, obviously, but still, it, it it's a very neat well-designed story to cover all the bases. And then he started talking about the California millionaire person so he could suddenly have the thing go away. And, and I, I think he was just... so Because obviously, at the end of the day, what is the most, in my mind, the most obvious hint that this is complete bullshit? It's encased in motherfucking ice. No. That how much do you think that thing would be worth? Yeah. Good God. Even back then... Uh, fuck you money that he could yeah. never make in his in five of his lifetimes yeah. mm-hmm. if he sold that actual real living thing encased in ice. Even if a California millionaire really owned it, that's all right. Sell it, get your ass to Brazil, mm-hmm. you're golden. So he never did that. He chose instead to put it in hiding and, and 
and exhibit an yeah. admitted fake of it, that's that's well, yeah, not ridiculous. everybody's motivated by greed. Oh, yeah, Carrie. He Most was out. Lied, though. He was out hawking this thing at Carnival, yeah. so yeah, no, he was interested in making money off of it. He could just be dumb. He never chose the one way he could have made a ton of money off it, which is to sell the actual real thing, if there was a real thing. Mm-hmm. So I'm. Were people offering him money for it? You don't think people would pay money? No, I'm asking. Were people offering him I, money? For I don't it? know. I don't know. But there's no question there'd be a huge market for something like that, even back in 1969 and 70, when he could have sold it. So. No, why? You you don't think there would have been somebody willing to pay a lot of money for that? Uh, no, there probably were, but okay. I'm just saying that doesn't mean he knows that. You know what I mean? He could be, I, like I said, he could just be dumb. <laughs> wow. No, I don't think he was dumb. Okay. He was just he 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 understood that if he did sell the thing, he was he'd be, dumb, he'd be exposed in a, in, a, in a millisecond because it was a fake. Mm-hmm. So that so ultimately though, okay, so yes or no? Believe it was true, Emma. <laughs> No, that's not true at all. No. No. Um, I'm going to go with maybe. <laughs> oh, my so God. Are, I want to believe. <laughs> that was the Minnesota Iceman. Are you a serious maybe? I'm not a serious okay. maybe. Are you, are you a serious maybe? Are you a serious maybe? <laughs> no, Carrie, I'm not a serious maybe. Okay. But you know what? You never know. I, you should have gone with it, Dean. Oh, you, you never know. It. I'm going back with it now. Okay. I'm a baby. I'm, okay, I've changed my mind. Yes, it's real. Absolutely, 100% sure. Without, a, right. there's no shred of doubt in my mind that uh, it's You know real. what? I'm with you then. <laughs> so that's two against two. I'm with her. As me. a mom? She means me. <laughs> <laughs> Carrie, tell me where they can find us. Weird World Podcast. We live at <laughs> uh, 69420 Internet Street. <laughs> <laughs> Um, on Patreon, <laughs> Instagram, and Facebook, and Word Word Pod on Twitter. You just paused for 33 seconds. <laughs> just, we're going to extend that in post. We're, we're, okay, thank you, Carrie. That was the Minnesota no, Iceman. No, thank you, Dean. Oh, thank oh, me. No, no thank, thank you. you. Oh. Everybody, let's not forget to thank me. Okay. No, I like the I, We could be from Minnesota because they're fan very of the polite. Minnesota there. Iceman. Well, yeah. Story. We're like, not from Minnesota. And we also like Chase's casseroles. No, just kidding. <laughs> Tater dot wow. casseroles. You're mean. Okay, Tater see you guys next casseroles. week. Bye. Bye. Thank you Bye. for listening. Love you. Love you. I